0: Hello, I am Brendan Storr, host of the Ghost Story Guys podcast.
1: I'm Joseph Camo, the guy behind In Search of Ghosts and this fine podcast live stream or whatever the hell we call this thing we're doing now.
0: Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know, Joseph. It's but a thing. What I do know is that it's called Weird Together, mm. where we talk about the latest and greatest in independent horror because we're weird and you're weird. So why not be weird together?
1: Of course, and we're together is part of the Ghost Story Guys family of podcasts and shows that includes the fine, fine, dare I say, brilliant podcasts, mysteries and monsters, okay. Luke Lore, and book.
0: There we go. Of the Dead. There we go. That was Which I, was I
1: listened to this week and rather enjoyed.
0: Oh, this is, this is the first time you listened to it.
1: No, I've listened to it before. Just it's been a while.
0: i was gonna say there's like fifty seven volumes in the patron thing. <sighs>
1: I gotta get I only make
0: out. one every week for you, Joseph, Jesus, Sorry, specifically man. for you, too.
1: I know. It's, it's just for me, and I let you down. Monster. But you know, we're, yeah, we're glad to be here. We're joined by Rin Lemieux, who's joined us, also saying good evening, dear sirs. I'm sure there's a few other and folks in. in there, but thank you, Rin. It's always good to have you hanging out with us.
0: Yes, and I, I have to say, Joseph, we're here to talk about a very, very special film. <sighs> Not the good kind of special, I'm sad to say. <laughs> we, we are here to talk about the, the latest film from, I've been using the phrase, the ghost of Dario Argento, and that is dark glasses. Now we don't have a trailer for this one because well, frankly, it wasn't worth making a trailer for, but we will say dark glasses tells a story of the, of a prostitute named Diana, who is being pursued by a crazed serial killer in the style of all great Italian Jolly, not to the quality of great Italian gialli, Let's be clear, but in the style of great Italian Jolly. And at the same time, uh, she manages to do a sick jump and murder some people in front of their son and then sort of adopts him uh, in, in as much as she is kidnapping can be adoption. We'll talk about it. Uh, that, is, that is the plot of the film. And you can perhaps understand why there was no need to do a, a full-on trailer because it's just not that interesting. Uh, but it, it is a lot of fun. We're, we're really, really looking forward to talking this one, especially after Saloon. Joseph, you know which was so yeah. solemn and so, such a really great piece of art, mm-hmm. and now we have this really great piece of. Well, we'll we'll talk about it.
1: Yeah, a piece of something. Uh, you know, you know, with Sulu, we were talking about this before we went live. It was a great film, and for me, it was you know just really a great conversation in terms of just really enjoyed it. It was very engaging. Yeah. Um. Really appreciate getting to watch a great piece of film like that. But you know there there weren't jokes to be made or things to poke at you know it wasn't a little bit f-
0: hard to riff on child soldiers, <laughs> you know
1: right, so it wasn't a f- it was an engaging conversation, but it wasn't fun, I guess, in the way that we like to have with some of these and boy, oh boy, has this film that we watched this week given us fodder to return to our <laughs> old ways of taking pot shots and making jokes, so that's right, uh, we are here we, we are go, here. right
0: all the cheap shots yes. but before we get there of course whenever you watch a movie you don't just watch a movie you take every movie you ever seen into that theater with you or my bed here in the room as I watched Dark Glasses so before we talk about the film itself we got to talk about our baggage <laughs> all right Joseph you first what was your baggage heading into Dark Glasses
1: you know, I didn't have much. Uh, I wasn't familiar with, with the film or the director. Uh, you know, I'm not as versed in, in film as you are. But that's uh,
0: staggering to me that you weren't even familiar with it. <laughs> like, I, I know you're, I know this horror movies are kind of newish to you, but like mm-hmm. that, that you hadn't heard of Argeno really surprises me.
1: Mm. Yeah, I, I just don't have, yeah. So, you know, I, I wasn't really <laughs> familiar with it. I knew it wasn't going to be the same as Saloon. Uh, you know, you kind of tipped me off that it wasn't going to be at that level. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, you, you, but there was something you mentioned that, you know, and we'll, we'll get into this, the opening scene, that, the sequence that you really enjoyed. And, and I actually thought that was interesting as well. We can, we'll talk about that in, in the Talk to God. Uh, but that was really about it, you know, as far as what I had for baggage. I didn't know what to expect. Um, you know, I, I, it wasn't as panned as your favorite demonic. You know, it, it had better uh, you know, reviews than that. So I at least had a little bit of hope there.
0: I just finished my coffee, so I am full of both caffeine and rage. Um, Demonic is such a better movie, but that's another conversation entirely. Yeah, so my baggage going into this, I I don't know that I'd say I'm an Argento fan. I know he's one of those directors who is, you know, kind of had his heyday in the '70s, really, uh, '70s and '80s, I guess, mostly late, mostly '70s, uh, with films like Suspiria, Deep Red, Tenebrae, Phenomena. There are more; those are the ones I remember off the top of my head. Uh, I'm not a massive fan. Like, I I, I love Suspiria. Suspiria is a masterpiece. Uh, I I like Dark Red, uh, Deep Red, not as much. I know a lot of people think that's his best film. I I don't necessarily agree. I think Tenebrae is his best film. But I I, I like his movies well enough. I find him a little creepy. Mm. uh, For, you know, like, for example, Suspiria is about a bunch of ballerinas in a school in Germany uh, slowly being killed one by one by what turns out to be witches. He wanted the film to be about little girls. Okay. Little girl ballerinas. Yeah, and some really messed up stuff happens. And, and so when you start thinking, this is supposed to be happening to children. What the fuck is wrong with you? Uh, and then you realize that he, uh, you know, he cast his 16-year-old daughter in the film Trauma in uh, 1993 and then had a scene where she gets fully topless and stares at the camera for an uncomfortable amount of time. And you start thinking, okay, I don't, I don't know if I want to invite you to my party anymore mr argento um and also he he hasn't really made a good film in a very long time like i, th- I think oh man what was his last film oh my mic is a little low okay well let's see if i can't uh see if i can't fix that a little bit here
1: and while you're fixing that derek's here hey guys appreciate you being here derek and Senator Hello, Argento was his first ever horror movie at age 5 Oh, so that, that explains a few things there <laughs> you know now that you mentioned despair i haven't seen it but i've seen it show up on lists and i and it's it's noteworthy for its visual style and the, and the really vivid colors and things like that right if i'm not mistaken
0: but, yeah very oh, much so
1: okay so i I've, i have heard of argento before okay
0: okay so uh, rin uh, there we go i turned it up a little bit i don't know how much more i and, think
1: that's a little bit better so
0: okay good so uh yeah so uh, he, it's been a long time since he's made a good film. I think his last good film maybe was crap. I don't know. I was watching the Stendhal syndrome uh, yesterday and that was okay. But I think maybe opera was his last film that was like really good all the way through uh, maybe Tenebrae in 1982. It's, it's been a while. I'm not a phenom- Some people love phenomena with Jennifer Connelly. I am not a fan. I mm-hmm. think that movie is dumb as hell. But anyways, moving on the last film I saw from him, the most recent one was, I think from 2002 called Dracula 3d. And that was exactly as terrible as that name sounds. <laughs> it, it, was, it, was, yeah, it, was, it was brutal. So uh, that's, So uh, that was weighing it down. Again, I don't think he's made a film in 20 years, so this was a big deal. Also, I, I love Gialli. So I love Italian Giallo films, which are like uh, non-supernatural crime films where, where often the kills are kind of shown from the killer's point of view. I'm, I'm a sucker for that kind of stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. Films like... Uh, what have you done? What have you done with Solange? Uh, or um, who saw her die? Uh, the Red Queen kills seven times. You know, the Fifth chord, All these brilliant Italian films from the seventies that were hyper-violent and hyper-stylized. Uh, Blood and Black Lace is another one. So I'm a big fan of those. So, and I think that's why I felt so kind of favorable towards the film, despite the fact that it's a it's a big flying Dookie biscuit, as we are <laughs> as we are going to discuss. But I guess. We will discuss that in the Doctagon. Welcome to the Doctagon. Two men enter. Two men leave. All right, uh, Derek. I'm really curious to know which Argento was your first horror film. I'm assuming Suspiria. That's my guess. But let me let me know in the comments. I am, I am curious to know.
1: I'm Nick. Is here? Just want to say, hey, uh, hey guys! First time tuning in. Hope I'm not too late. You are not too late. We're just getting going. We just entered the Tocticon. Uh I'm gaming, so uh, good to have you guys talking in the background, keeping me company. Thanks for sharing your time with us. Big fan. Appreciate you hanging out with us. I'm hell's Nick. yeah.
0: Thanks for thanks for hanging out, man. Thanks for listening. I, honestly, you don't want to see this, anyways. Joseph's yeah. fine. He looks great. <laughs> I always look like uh, I always look like that that kind of hefty uh, the, one of the, the hefty centibite from uh, from Hellraiser. You know, the, the one with, like, the weird teeth. So, yeah, mm. no, you're not missing anything on this side.
1: <laughs> nice, nice.
0: Speaking of which, you're lucky I didn't ask you to watch that. This I month. did watch it. Oh, you did? New one? on yeah, my Yeah, what you, interesting. What would you think?
1: Uh, I, I mean, I've, I, I've seen the other ones and not, you know, the, the original ones. I mean, I thought it was fine. You know, I thought it was film. The film work was interesting. The, the visuals were interesting. Maybe the story needed a little bit more, but it was fine
0: interesting yeah i I was uh I was not a fan. I mean, mm. I, I didn't dislike it terribly, but uh, I really respect I don't know if I like them, but I respect He'llraiser one and two because those mm. films really bother me. Mm. There's something about them that bothers me and i there's I think there's this trend and I know this is not the uh, the Hellraiser show, but um there's something I felt like transgressive mm. about the world that Barker created. yeah, uh, and I felt like the people who made the other one, the new one kind of didn't really have that. They understood the icky parts, but they didn't understand why it was unsettling. Yeah. Uh, it was also not a very horny movie, and I feel like a big part of Hellraiser working is it's, it's, it's meant to be. That's,
1: That's true. I mean, I mean, and all jokes aside about that, I mean, you know, it, it's all about pleasures and pains, and it, they, I feel like the new one didn't get into the pleasure side of it at all. No, right? no. So. I, I, Yeah.
0: So. Kids nowadays don't know how to work. <laughs>
1: Derek, answer your question. The first film was Suspiria. Suspiria, called it. It was a double feature with Umberto Lenzi's eyeball.
0: Eyeball? I don't know that one. Mm, um, Umberto yeah. Lenzi. Oh, okay. That's awesome, man. I, I I think the first Italian horror film I saw was either Suspiria or Lucio Fulci's Zombie.
1: Mm, one of the okay. two.
0: But anyways, we're not here to talk about that. Yeah. Joseph, let's start us off here in the Toctagon. Your thoughts on the story of Diana running from the the serial killer with her, her little sidekick chin.
1: well, I'm gonna get us started by talking about something that I mentioned earlier in our in our show tonight. Uh, that that opening sequence, right? with driving and then going to watch uh, you know the eclipse. and and you know, you had mentioned that you really liked that opening sequence. So I was watching it with some interest. and and I thought it was a I thought it was a nice sequence. It, I thought it was interesting. well, shot edited nicely. The problem was it belonged in a better film. Yes. Um, you know, it was this really interesting opening sequence. To me, it was the kind of opening that was befitting more of a highbrow art film. Um, and it set up sort of this expectation, at least, you know, if, if you don't know what's coming uh, or <laughs> don't have any idea what's coming, of a, a film that's going to be really – like what kind of film starts with this, this random sort of thing? Well, it's usually a film that has some – maybe some really great storytelling in store and some interesting ways of doing things. And it set it up and the rest of the film just failed to deliver on the level of writing storytelling and imagery that that opening sort of signaled. Um, So it's tough. It was, it was like, you know, it was like a really, a a nice chandelier in a broken down house. You know, it's, it just, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? I mean, it felt, it was so, such a nice opening and the rest of the film didn't live up to it.
0: It's like the the McDonald's in Victoria downtown that has a chandelier in the lobby. You oh know, yeah, it's, it's like yeah, it, it, we're 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 gilding the lily a little bit, trying to distract you from the fact <laughs> you're just eating pig lips and assholes. I yeah, the, the opening scene is is almost completely disconnected from the rest of the film because mm-hmm. the only thing it really establishes is that our heroine is a fucking moron. Because she goes into a park where everyone is staring at the sun through glasses, which are about a mile thick, because that Mm -hmm. is, you know, the only uh, acceptable way to look at the sun. And and she just, like Donald Trump, just looks up unadorned at the sun. Mm -hmm. And that scene has nothing to do with anything else in the rest of the film. Except, I will say, you know, because Diana is a prostitute, uh, and I want to make it clear right now, uh, we're not going to be taking pot shots at that, uh, just in case anyone's curious. I have friends who are sex workers. I am fully in support of, of, of legal, of decriminalizing sex work. I don't have a problem with it whatsoever. Uh, consenting adults, of course, don't give any but the children bullshit. Um, not you, just generally. Um, but uh, anyways, so just gets out of the way. But the first person that Diana hooks up with, he, he basically is telling us how we should feel about her. He says, you know, you're so strong, you're so smart, you're so independent, a man could fall in love with you. And I realized they had to do that because they just made her look like an absolute ding-dong <laughs> by having her staring agape at the sun.
1: Mm-hmm. So,
0: uh, yeah, it was it was baffling. And, and I know the critic, uh, was it Brian Telerico, whoever reviewed this film for RogerEbert.com, he basically said, you, you can watch that sequence and, and turn the rest of it off. But, yeah, I, I don't think he's wrong.
1: Yeah. No, I, I think you're right, and you know I think what you just talked about with with um, in terms of destigmatizing sex workers, I think that leads into kind of my my second point here that I think uh, uh, is apropos to bring up here. For all the negatives we're gonna say about this film, and we're gonna we, we we're gonna take some shots at it, um, it did present a sympathetic view of sex workers. I didn't feel like it took pot shots and cheap shot jokes at sex workers. In fact, I think it, it, it represented kind of sympathetically, you know, some of, some of the shit they have to deal with. You know, you had the guy who was roughing her up because she wasn't willing to do what he wanted to do. Right. And then she had to kind of fight her way away from that. And obviously, you know, the guy who uh, smelled like dog shit, uh, you know, and wouldn't take a shower and then told her off in some not so nice ways. And then we're, we're going to spoil this film. If you're watching this, sorry. Uh, ended up being a, a serial killer and trying to kill her. And that was just some of the, the shit she had to deal with. And so they, they, I felt like they presented her sympathetically and they also didn't, in my view, pr- go with some of the cliche stereotypes of her living in, you know, some kind of really rundown, you know, you know, uh place and, 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 and being, you know, she, she, she you know, aside, from, she could have easily been a clerical worker in terms of how she conducted herself. So, I thought it was, it was refreshing to see a depiction of sex workers that was not uh, stereotyped.
0: Yeah, I agree. Yeah, they could have depicted her, you know, sort of being trafficked or, or being victimized. And she wasn't. She just, she had a nice apartment that she paid for herself because if you do it right, that's a lucrative, can be a lucrative line of work. And yeah, to be honest, the sex workers I know, because I have some friends who have kind of moved in and out of those worlds, and, you know, they, they liked it for whatever that's worth. I mean, it, you know, and I think if you can compartmentalize yourself, then sure, you know, go again, go for it. Right. And, but as you say, usually that's not depicted because I think it's still depicted, even if a film depicts some a prostitute as someone who works for themselves and is successful, I think they still have to slip in at that, that sort of like sense of regret mm-hmm. about the whole thing, you know, and conflict. And now she really, she wants out and she wants to become, I don't know, whatever, but this this film was co- totally comfortable uh, letting her be who she was. And, and I did appreciate that. And actually the bit, as you mentioned with uh, Stinky Q serial killer, yeah. um, that is a real problem. I, I know uh, I've, I've heard that hygiene can be terrifying with, with John's mm. apparently. Uh, yeah. I, I won't get into specifics cause it's gross, but, yeah. but apparently hygiene is a real issue. And you, you know, if you stink like dog as that guy does, you will be expected to clean yourself up before Anyone touches you.
1: Hmm. Interesting. Rin asks, is that Paul of Hollywood? I don't get the reference. Do you? I'm not sure who you're, I'm guessing from one of the images, uh, is that Paul Hollywood or is that Paul Hollywood? Rin, let us know, uh, if, if you want to kind of, and do you, are you familiar with the reference? Paul Hollywood. You kind of <laughs> Google knows. Googling.
0: Yeah. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Great British Bake Off guy. Yeah.
1: <laughs> oh, is that that guy? Okay.
0: I can so, guarantee you that is not Paul Hollywood.
1: This is not Paul. I know my wife watches Great Brit. Okay. So that yeah, looks a little like him, but it's not him.
0: <laughs> I, I feel like the host of the Great British Bake Off is not going to suddenly chase down a role where he demands a particularly disgusting sex act from a prostitute and then beats her. I just yeah, feel probably. like that's not going to be the the, the the next role he transitions into. I could be wrong.
1: But. Yeah. So thank you, Rin. Yeah. So uh, the first image. Yeah. I don't yeah. think that's him, but I see the resemblance. So was there anything else you want to add to that? Or should I take us?
0: A... No, no. Hit, uh, what's hit me next.
1: Okay. The next thing I noticed is, and this is just a minor point that I just, that just stuck out to me as I watched this. Uh, so this doctor, you know, who's <laughs> telling her about her loss of eyesight, this doctor has the bedside manner of a tax auditor. Like he's standing there, doesn't you? Don't sense any empathy. No. He was like, you know, your chances of regaining your eyesight are very slim, and you owe $30,000 in back taxes.
0: <laughs> That's, and, and we're being on we're auditing you.
1: And we're auditing you. Goodbye. Right. You're like, you're like, there was no bedside manner. Now, I will say, I'm not, as I look at it, I'm not critical. I think this was a choice by the director to create something uncomfortable, but I'd like to hear your thoughts on that
0: maybe we're meant to interpret that the doctor had, you know, he, he does have uh, maybe a bias against sex mm. workers and, and, you know, they're trying to establish that Diana is like alone in this dark world. But the, I mean, the, like so many things the film does, it doesn't go far enough in any one direction for it to make a difference, you know, for it to register emotionally. Cause, cause it almost comes off as a comedy beat. Cause he basically tells you like, yeah, yeah, you never, you're probably never going to see again. Even if your brain heals, eh, you're probably never going to see again. Anyways, bye-bye. And it's, it's like, I'm going to leave you now to the, the darkness that will forever be your constant companion. Have a great day. And, and uh, you know, we'll send you the bill in the mail. And I just thought, it's like so much of the film, it's just not great. The lighting is flat. The performances are fine. But, you know, it, it feels, apparently this script, Argento wrote this in around 2002. And so when funding came together, he just, you know, went through his junk drawer and said, oh, here we go. Mm. And, uh, and pulled it out. So, and, and it feels like that. It feels dated. It feels, and to a certain degree, that's cool because Argento, you know, he's got a very classic style, you know, that 70s thing is sort of you know, very retro right now, very happening, you know, but it, it just, it, it kind of comes off as awkward, uh, especially in some of the things I know we're going to be talking about later.
1: So. You know the next thing I wanted to talk about here is just in general a number of things about um, the interactions, which were sometimes confusing and unbelievable, and the various things about the interactions relationship between Diana and Chin, the the, the young boy, right? Who, you know she she's being chased as you know by by uh, Mateo, the 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 dog shit smelling dude, <laughs> uh, and she she hits the car that you know that Chin is in and his you know, ends up killing both of his parents. Um and so they're they're you know, so there's this all going on. And like, you know, so you know, she like shows up at the the, the 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 home he's at, you know, uh while I think his mother I believe is in the hospital still, but his dad is dead or something. It's unclear because later he tells her tells him that his mom's dead. You know, so like, you know, she shows up and she gives him a video game system with this really, really awkward smile. Like, hi, sorry about your parents, kid, but here's a video game system. And, you know, and he's not really having it. And, you know, and then he gives throws the system away. The kids take it. But then when she leaves, he kind of wants it back and she comes back and she's like, give it back to him this instant. And so they give it back to him. Then she leaves and he's like, huh? I mean, yeah, she kind of killed my parents and. She's kind of creepy with 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 that weird smile and stuff, but and I don't know what she does for a living, but um, she seems okay. Maybe I'll go live with her, right? And it just just that just was weird. I, I there's more to the relationship, but I'll give you a chance to jump in on that.
0: Well, the expression on his face there was sort of like the that I I sort of interpret that or call that the the cop movie. You son of a bitch, <laughs> you know? We're like okay, well, we don't like each other, but by God, I respect you. <laughs> And I didn't get a chance to cap it, but the way the car, her car hits his parents, what should have happened. Cause I've been in car accidents a couple of times. And you know, when you hit someone from the side, you just, you hit them from the side, it's full on and you kind of spin and it's, it ain't much fun. But what happens to her? And I, I understand, I think they did it this way because they had a very particular image of how they wanted the parents to look when they were dead. But, mm-hmm. uh, she does this sort of do, du- cause she's, she's ran from behind by the killer. And she does this sort of Dukes of Hazard esque
1: mm.
0: you know, kind of hits the car at like an upward angle, like she's just gone off a ramp. And it, it was just this, this very, you know, sort of bullet slash uh, drive-esque way of killing these people, like a Grand Theft Auto stunt gone wrong. Mm-hmm. And, and it literally, I think the whole reason to do that was because Argento had this image of these two people with their, pace, their faces just peeled like grapes. In the front seat of the car because it, it, it's messed up. Yeah. I mean that when that I mean not like terrifying or too messed up. Uh, don't go see that, yeah. um, but uh, but still it's kind of gross. And I just had this thought like he's sitting there, huh? Those people cut me off in traffic. Man, I'd like to rip their faces off with my tires. Oh, well,
1: I can and do that in a film.
0: Into the script it goes.
1: Um, real quick, uh, Wendina, thank you for being here. Uh, we are discussing Dark Glasses, so uh, you know, so that is the film we're discussing. So currently streaming on shutter it is yes like t- yes 2022 so, release. Really. so yeah so okay and that yeah and it, so it feels like he had this thing he this image he wanted and he found a way to work it in you know whether it was wor- worked or not and looked realistic or not, how it got there right so um something else about the relationship that i thought was interesting when she finally tells shin no your mother is dead but don't worry just close your eyes and pretend it's a bad dream and it'll go away. And I'm like, well, how about I close my eyes and pretend it's not a bad movie instead. Can we do that? <laughs> but in seriousness though, as I thought about this more, this is one of those things that I, I want, if this wa- I wonder if this was intentional, but I mentioned how I think, I think I mentioned that there's certain things about the life, her life as a sex worker that I think subconsciously or psychologically come out. And then I was wondering, you know, when when, when we're faced with uncomfortable situations, trauma, and when, when we're faced with someone who's dealing with trauma, and we don't know, you know, a lot of times people say the stupidest shit because they don't know what to say. Uh, yeah. I, it, it'll, it'll get better, I, you know, and whatever. And a lot of times <laughs> when we do that, we will pull from what we know. And I just, then it occurred to me, I wonder... If when she's telling him close your eyes, pretend it's a bad dream. If this is how she deals with some of her johns that are that are maybe not as kind uh, as the the first gentleman who said very kind things to her and seemed to treat her well as we saw him later in the film. Uh, so it, when I, when that struck me, that was one of those things that I'm going to give the director credit that maybe that was intentional. And that, although they didn't explain it, which, you know, maybe sometimes it's best if you don't explain those things, let them be. Maybe that was an interesting note that he struck. One of the right notes he struck in a film that is otherwise a bunch of botched chords, you know? Um, so, I don't know, what do you think about that?
0: I mean, I, I, th- I think you make a great point. I think it's very possible, um, probable, really. But, like, again, so many other things in the film, they, they just, it was, it was half-assed. They didn't take mm-hmm. the time to... You know, maybe a throwaway line where she mentions like, oh, this is how I cope, you know, when things are not going the way I want them to go, or when they go badly, this is kind of how I cope. Uh, But we never get a chance to set that up. So instead, we're just watching this poor little kid finding out, not only is he on the run from a stinky serial killer, but he finds out that his mother's dead. And she's like, no, no, sleep, sleep, sleep. (laughs) It'll be over soon. No, it won't. Son, you can open your eyes. They're still going to be dead. Yeah. I, I got bad news for you. And so it just, like so many things, it kind of functions as a comic note. Like there's a scene where, of course, they're being chased towards the end of the film. And, you know, she wanders into some kind of electrical bunker that just happens to be out there in the Italian countryside. And she smashes a lamp, which I assume is for her leveling the playing field. So the killer is also Mm -hmm. blind. But the scene is so badly lit, it, it looks like she smashed a lamp, but there's still light everywhere else. And again it's an unintentional comic beat she thinks she's now in the darkness and it's still it's still pretty goddamn bright mm-hmm. and that accomplishes nothing she mm-hmm. never uses that darkness she never she eventually just chin turns up they blindly wander outside and then the killer just happens to fuck stroll along and find
1: them That was like a waste of scene it felt like that he needed to kill 2 minutes 3 minutes of you know film to stretch it and so let's throw that in yeah. And, you know, I think, yeah. And, you know, with the whole, uh, you know, with Chin, the worst thing about waking up from his dream is, you know, he wakes up from that dream looking at, you know, a bad impression of Renee Zellweger, right? So, uh, so,
0: you know. I don't know, man. I've woken up to worse things than this, that smile. So, that's fair. You know, let's, that's fair. Let us, let us not be cast too many stones.
1: <laughs> that was the last thing I had about the relationship. There was anything you wanted to add about the relationship between those two?
0: Oh, between her and Shin? Well, just the fact that she essentially abducts him, you know, because he's at the home and like it's in a really, you know, it's run by nuns. So it's, you know, awful. Um, And if you think, Bren, that's really anti-Catholic of you, I suggest you look up The Keepers. It's on Netflix. You'll learn some stuff. So anyways, she goes to meet him and and he's really unhappy and he's going to be you know adopted out to a family. He doesn't want that. And then she just kind of sneaks, like sort of sneaks, or I guess he sneaks away and finds her because she left her card with a nun and she just sort of lets him stay and then lies about the fact that he's there. And I thought, well, what's the end game here? Mm -hmm. You know, at some point you can't just keep him in the attic, feeding him fish heads, like he's going to have to go to school, (laughs) right? That's yeah, that's just expected. And when she's on the phone with the, the school. You know, she the nun tells her that Chin escaped, like like he's a chinchilla that's about to be farmed. You know, no, no, he 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 ran away. He's yeah. a child. He's not a mink. He he he. You know, he's not a prisoner. I, well, you know, again, Catholic boarding school. So I guess technically, <laughs> but I, Jesus, you know, he escaped. You know, he's rabid. They're gonna mm-hmm. chase him like the goddamn raptor in Jurassic Park with a tranquilizer gun. I mean, come on. Although I did think it was cute, the one thing they built in, where she explains to him that she's a psychotherapist or something. And after he sees her leaving with her first John, he says, oh, I have a cousin who does this too. She's a psychotherapist. She also has a pistol. She makes a lot of money.
1: And I thought that was kind of cute,
0: you know, just the the euphemisms kids will use.
1: Right. Yeah, no, that was clever. Some of the other points I want to make, there's just a smattering of things about this film that were bad and a collection. I would say things, there
0: are a smattering of things about this film, which were good.
1: Yeah. And everything else is bad, right? Correct. Um, so there's a collection of things that to me, I describe them as eye roll worthy, right. Ugh. Kind of um, right. writing, directing and visual effects. So, you know, the first thing about that, uh, the first of those that we're, we're going to kind of mention is Jerry, the, the officer, Yes, Jerry, standing in the middle of the street shooting the van isn't gonna get you killed. You know, like maybe move. But then it gets worse. He gets hit by the van. And then his partner is like crying over him. And listen, I get it, they work together, but like someone just killed your partner. Maybe have your head on a swivel. Like, like figure out what's going on with the, the, the murder guy in the van first and then deal with Jerry. Um, it just you know, it to me that's just it felt like bad writing police officers are, you know, law officers of law are going to be much more alert and aware, even in, you know, situations like that, I would think. So that just kind of was a weird note.
0: It, that's funny. Cause I, I have a friend who's a, who's a police detective. And, uh, when he was just getting started, the film end of watch came out. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I don't know if you guys haven't seen end of watch. It's a film directed by David Ayer from, I want to say 2009, 2010. It's actually a very good movie, but, um, you know, right at the end, a couple of the the two cops get, or one of the cops gets shot because he's grieving his partner. And that was exactly the complaint that my buddy, because he went to a a big like organized screening of the film. He said, no, that's, that would not happen. You know, you you would not spend your time pining over your partner. But I I guess that just comes down to, you know, we we need the script. We need the plot to do certain things. I will say though, not only is it insane that the cop stood there for 16 days shooting at the approaching van and apparently never hitting it. Right. Like I guess the, the Avis or Hertz that they rented the thing from said, you will not damage this van or we're charging you. And they could (laughs) not afford that. Um, but honestly the only point at all those cops serve was to have that scene because they, they only turn up one scene before we have no connection to them. They, they turn up because apparently they, they need two detectives to chase down an escaped kid from a, uh, an orphanage. And then one of them just goes all crazy and, and like basically breaks into the house of the blind woman forces past her and does a, you know, a warrantless search, which is awesome. Uh, but that's literally, they, they, they turn up, they make noises. He violates her civil liberties and, and then he gets run over by a car. And I mean, yeah. good um but also there's just there's no purpose to it it's just like, like again, well, well we need scenes well shit you know cause they they had two detective characters earlier and then they just two who were two men and then they introduced this this male and female detective only to kill them off immediately it's like he forgot what he was writing partway through you know he sort of dozed off or he got higher drunk he's like oh oh right yeah yeah you know it's like he was writing the script in his refractory periods
1: you know and i think it's interesting you mention that because when I first saw them in my notes, it was like, "This cop is acting suspicious." I thought they were maybe posing as officers. Uh, that would make you, more right? sense. It would make more sense, and you know, when I think about okay, why were these officers introduced? I mean, essentially, what I think what they were is sort of a MacGuffin—is to introduce suspense or threat, some sort of threat that she's going to get in je- pr- imprisoned, or something. But it, it felt very ham-handed and impotent because uh it's like he had and there'll be a few other things i'm going to mention in a few minute moments the director seemed like he had to try to resort to these attempts to create suspense because he really did a shitty job of creating it with (laughs) the antagonist. right i mean like yes this guy's chasing in a van and he's this serial killer and yes there were some murders but like for some reason even though there were violent murders in the film something about the way it was set up just didn't create a sense of threat or fear or suspense. And like it, it and he, you know, and I'm guessing he wasn't trying to hide who the murderer was because they were like, we know who you are, dude. We know you're the, you're, you're the, the that guy that smells like dog shit. We get it. Okay. So he didn't do a good job with suspense because we saw shots of the murder and there were dogs around and, He said when she first met him, when he, you know, she told him to take a shower, he said he had been working at the kennel. It was just, you know, so I I just feel like he didn't, the director didn't do a good job. If he was trying to conceal who the the antagonist was, he did a a, a piss poor job of that. And either way, he just, something about it did not create legitimate suspense or fear or threat, at least in terms of the emotions of that. So he, it felt like he had to, you know, throw some cops in there who you might think are not really cops, right? And this leads to one of the other things, like, okay, that doesn't work. Uh, let's throw in some water snakes from hell, um, sure. And you know, while we're at it, let's make these tiny snakes turn into constrictors and to somehow get around her. Like <laughs> nothing about the those snakes' movement or actions was natural. I'm sorry, a snake that size. That's not a big snake, not a huge snake, right? It's medium. Snake. It's not big enough All to right, be braggy, a constrictor, braggy. right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. Huh? Uh, but like that, uh, that snake that size is not big enough to be a constrictor threat to a human. If it has venom, it's a venom threat. But a snake that size isn't going to get around. It's not going to get nothing about those snakes look natural. But even if they did, this is supposed to be a crime suspense, and then you throw snakes from like these these <laughs> water snakes from hell. Because you can't pull off a suspense film with Mateo, so you throw the snakes in there. It, it just it it felt like flailing and impotent.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, so for for folks who didn't watch the movie, um, like you, uh, Chin and Diana are fleeing from Stinky mm-hmm. Dog Killer and they end up stumbling into a, a, apparently like a snake's nest in a lake. And the snakes just, I thought the snakes were going to turn out to be venomous or something because they're bit a whole shitload of times. Mm-hmm. And they really hype that up and you know, all oh, they're, they're biting us, they're biting us. And I thought, oh, okay, this is really going to go somewhere. And then really it's just, no, oh man, that sucks. Oof, ouch, yeah. dicks, you know, so that it really doesn't go anywhere. Yeah. Um, but going back to the, 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 the lameness of the killer, and just how flat everything is. I, I recently watched opera, Dario Argento's opera for the first time. I think it's from 1987. Uh, it's not amazing, but it's solid. It's, again, pretty good jello. But to, to illustrate the difference in, in trying versus, you know, in, in the two films. Now, I, of course, opera was made at a different time in film history. You know, budgets were higher. Argento's career was much higher, so he was getting more budget, so he could do more complex shit. But the killer in opera... Is picking off the members of this opera one by one by one. And at one point they established that he, this, the killer attacked some of the, the Ravens or the crows that are meant to be used as part of the production while committing a murder, he he killed several of the crows and they keep saying that crows don't forget, you know, you fuck with a crow, it will remember. And so in the climax of the film or what should be the climax it goes on too long afterwards, they're in the opera. And they, someone figures out. Oh, I know how we can identify the killer. Let the crows out. Crows don't forget. And the crows zero in on this dude, and they they literally pluck out his eye. And then he has to run because he has been exposed. You know, the crows remembered. And the, so that you've got setup and you've got payoff, and it's quite grand. And again, you can't always do grand. You know, budgets not aren't what they used to be. But just the fact that enough thought went into that to put together setup and payoff. Whereas in dark glasses, you've literally got the killer say, revealing himself by saying, "It's me, Stinky Dog Man," and I'm pretty sure it, that's almost verbatim. Yeah, <laughs> like it, it's, it, it. I don't know if you've ever, you know, it, it, like if you've ever exposed your flaccid penis to someone, and it's just like there it is. Yep, here we are. That's what that reveal is like. You know, it's just like like a like a like a sad elephant. It's just very dis- It's very dispiriting. It's again. I liked the movie. I found it entertaining. But if you sort of look at it within his larger uh, catalog, it's uh, it, it's a little sad, dangly ding-dong.
1: So I'm just updating a sign. Uh, can you read this? Uh, Days since a penis joke. 67.
0: <laughs> oh, there goes the pizza party.
1: Yeah. So, ah, great, Bren. Thanks. You ruined it for everyone. <laughs> if I didn't have
0: lowbrow, Joseph, I'd have no brow.
1: <laughs> nice, nice. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's it just, it just doesn't work, right? Um, And, you know, in general, the practical effects, I felt like didn't work. I don't know if this is his style or not, but, like, the filming of it was, it was flat at points, but it wasn't horrific. I mean, there was not... It, The the camera angles were interesting, I thought, at points. The lighting needed some work. The acting wasn't the worst. But the visual effects that were involved in this, uh, the practical effects were like three notches below everything else. And that's a low bar to begin with, I guess you could argue. (laughs) Um, But especially like the dog attack, right? You know, when Naria finally comes, it's like sit, attack, snack. And like, if you watch the scene, that looks like that is got to be a hand puppet. Just kind of gently, like absolutely
0: a puppet that is the,
1: the, 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 whatever it is. And then when they do show scenes of the dog, like trying to rip it out, it just looks like a dog leisurely, like eating some taffy or something like, just, (laughs) I mean, literally watch it again. It's just like, he's just, you know, you see his head, but he's pulling this stringy something that they made to look like, you know, viscera. And he's there's no anger or aggression or intensity. It's just, oh, look, peanut butter You know, that's just <laughs> what it feels like. So like the practical effects were shit on this. It just it just didn't work in any way. So yeah,
0: yeah. I, again, like part of me, I, I want to say that's a function of budget. although at the same time, the film I mentioned earlier, Terrifier 2, which, you know, is like a two and a half hour long slasher film that has a a kill so brutal that people are throwing up and leaving the theater. Uh, it's a movie so brutal that I won't go see it.
1: Hmm.
0: Um, it. But that was shot for 250 grand. Yeah. So if you can pull that off, then I feel like yeah, the master of Jolly maybe could could do a little bit better. Although Derek, you can if you're if you're still watching, you can back me up on this. I actually think that the kill in this film, the 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 dog picture Joseph showed, I I don't think that's any different than the dog kill in uh, Suspiria because there's a there's a dog kill in that where the a bl- a bl- actually a blind guy is mauled by his own um you know uh, seeing eye dog and i i think part of me thinks that's an intentional choice because it it just sort of it, it this is all of it kind of harkens back to his glory days just in worse mm. in every possible way you know it it's like um like ebert once wrote about last tango in paris which is bad cuz that girl was not well treated but he says that you know revisiting last tango in paris decades after seeing it for the first time, it's like visiting an apartment you used to live in. It's a lot smaller and less impressive than you remember it being at the time. And I feel like this, this is a little bit like me trying to put on clothes from high school. Yeah. It just, it's bulgy. It does not look good. One wrong move and the whole thing is just going to tear apart and, and everyone's going to be very embarrassed. And I, so I feel a little bit like, like that with this. I think it was maybe, I want to say it was intentional, mm-hmm. but it, it just, it, like so many other things in the film, it doesn't, it doesn't come off.
1: Yeah, that feels self-indulgent. I, I, you know, I am this director, and this is this is what I did forty-five years ago, or whatever, and people love that. So I will do something that looks like that, and even though it's completely out of place in the in where where filming is at now and what's available now, but I will do that because that is my my trademark, my whatever
0: want to jump in. This is, this is the guy who shot his 16 year old daughter topless on film and put it in a movie. And then two <sighs> yeah. years later had her play a character who is assaulted on film and put it in a movie. So I don't know if we necessarily should be surprised by self-indulgence here.
1: Yeah. And, you know, and I think, and, and, uh, Derek saying, uh, yeah, that's what I was thinking. It was like, he was saying, Hey, remember that time I did this and it was much more <laughs> yeah. impressive. Right. You know? Yeah. It,
0: it, it's, yeah. you shouldn't do that. Don't remember yeah. when my dick was great. Remember <laughs> that instead of looking like, you know, Damn it, <laughs> <Brent>. <laughs> it's still the same day. So you don't have to make any changes. <laughs>
1: okay. <laughs> but yeah,
0: <laughs> doesn't look like, it's like someone put snuffle up against in the dryer.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you know, and like to me there's just no excuse for that. Like, okay, you say that, you know, okay, the budget thing, right? If 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 you you know, well, right now filmmaking is more accessible than ever, and it, it's come to such the art form has come to such a place that really low budget films can do things that look good. And if you oh, can't yeah. pull it off, there are ways to do these kinds of scenes without having to show that, right?
0: I there, was gonna say, Adam Green,. Uh, sorry no, but Adam Green, he shot hatchet for uh, Victor Crowley for mm-hmm. four hundred grand. And there is that has a plane crash in it. and uh, several very, very, you know, it's a horror comedy, so it's it's very over the top. and very graphic kills that look all of them better than than this. Again, that was four hundred grand. I think he shot it in twelve days, eleven days, mm-hmm. something like that. So yeah, no, you're right. There's no excuse. I think Derek. I, I think Derek was close to the mark. I think it was. Uh, hey, remember when this was a good? You know, <laughs> like, they made me money to give this to you. Uh, and uh, I, I'm, unless you know, if I find out this was like a thirty million dollar budget, I'm just going to assume money laundering was involved. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it was. It, it, the whole thing feels just kind of perfunctory. You know, I think because it's like if John Carpenter. You know, if John Carpenter was suddenly to just come back and say, Hey, I've got a new movie coming out. And you know, everyone goes to the movie theater and we're sitting there, we're waiting and it comes on the screen and it's literally just him holding a Michael Myers mask and going, huh? Huh? Huh?
1: Huh? <laughs> Are huh? you scared?
0: No, yeah? pretty great. I <laughs> huh? remember when that was good. Yeah. And then on the way out, he just Dick slaps every single person. Walking out of the theater, I just feel like that. I that got would, your money. That's all I
1: care about, <laughs> that's buddy. It. He's, just, you know? he's
0: got it over his shoulder like the Grinch. Yeah. Like that would be this. Yeah. You know, I, I just think a lot of it was. I, it's the first Dario Argento film in 20 years. That's why I watched it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I felt like it was not going to be great, and, and yeah, I was I was not wrong. Again, I I enjoyed watching it, but it's it, it is objectively bad. Unlike demonic, which is obde- objectively great, and you have brainworms. This <sighs> is objectively bad.
1: Sure, Brent uh, <laughs> yeah. Um so speaking of bad, um uh, I think the end it just it didn't <laughs> either. The end of the film. Like Okay, so, you know, what this closing line, you know, Nuria, you're my only the only friend I have left. Like it's like they couldn't decide whether they wanted to go with a full on happy ending, right, where somehow maybe she adopts chin and whatever legally or or even they keep in contact or with a tragic ending where something happens and she dies. So they go with like the depressing one. Well, I guess I'm going to go home to my apartment, microwave <laughs> myself something to eat for dinner, and listen, not watch, to Matt Rock <laughs> Like, that's like, they went with, like, the lame, boring, depressing, like, like commit to, commit to tragedy or happiness. But don't give me the, oh, I'm, you know, like, the, the emo kind of <laughs> ending or whatever. I well, don't, I, what, what were your thoughts on that ending?
0: no you're right it again it's um what i watched something recently uh oh i watched the film lake mungo which a lot of people talk about as sort of this uh lost brilliant ghost story it came out in 2008 it's a found footage film from australia and i finally managed to watch it because it's not available here in canada but it was streaming for free on tubi and you know it's it's fine it's creepy in some places but some people talk about how devastatingly sad it was And I really didn't think that. I didn't feel like it earned that. I feel like it, it kind of went sad. You're sad now, instead of actually earning that, you know, Mm, and I kind of felt that way about this, you know, they're going, Hey, you really like Diana, don't you? I mean, I, I guess She's, she's all right. She's got some crazy eyebrows going on, but, uh, you know, sure. She's, she seems fine. Well, aren't you sad that she's alone? I don't know. Her life was fine before her and Chin didn't really have a like they were together for like two days. I I don't what what she's got. I'd rather have the dog than a kid. She's got a dog now. She didn't have that before. And podcasts. I mean, the film looks like it was takes place in the 70s, but it's a modern film. She has an entire, entire library of podcasts. She can listen to Joe Rogan. She can get radicalized. She's really got (laughs) tons of options.
1: yeah i i I think yeah so it it just it was very unsatisfying and not even like i get that like avoiding fan service in terms of films can be a good art you know part of art like like don't give people exactly what they think or want but what people want is a happy ending so give them a tragedy if you want it if you want to throw a curveball give us a straight up tragedy not a
0: you know like meh or or spend more time building the relationship between yeah. the two of them showing that, Hey, mm. I much prefer living this way instead of living alone. And now I have to, Oh, I'm going back to this, okay. but you know, I, I have grown and changed and do something with it. it, it, it try. And I think that's a problem. Try yeah. it, it, that. There was not a lot of that happening. In this no, that's film. a great
1: point. Cause I think that could have worked, right? If yeah. you felt this connection between her and Chen, like, man, They, some they at at first they they weren't really something wasn't working, but over time these two they belong together as a family, right? You son
0: of a bitch.
1: Yeah, and then you and then you rip them apart at the end. There, then we feel it, but we didn't feel it.
0: No, no, there was not a not not a creature was stirring. Yes, Uh, and and I I really want to say, and this is me being a shallow asshole, but whatever. Um, I have when you watched like Italian these movies from the 70s and 80s, especially the 70s. There are some gorgeous fucking people in those movies. Like these are these are good looking Italian people. You look at yourself I've been in Italy and you know there's a lot of good looking people there. They're really well dressed. I looked like a I looked like stinky dog shit guy. You know, and I was just dressed like this being in Italy. This film has the most aggressively average looking people in it that I have ever seen, that I've seen in in an Italian Jolly film. These people were so unimpressive. I half expected to see me wandering on screen just (laughs) in some kind of fugue state. Like it it was, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if people thought, well, no, I'm, I'm absolutely not going to, uh, star in a film for Dario Argento because he's goddamn weird. Or if it was just like, no, no, we're gonna, or we're gonna shoot in HD and no one really understands how to do makeup for that. I, I don't know. It was a very odd choice. Uh, and and you know, there's still some very good-looking people in there. I'm not, you know, don't get me wrong, but there is a lot of just meh-looking people, and that's great because it gives me hope, you know, for my Hollywood <laughs> career and if I got to go to Italy. But uh, it was it was surprising.
1: Hmm. Yeah, you know, the last thing I have is just a simple takeaway, and that is the main point of this film seems to be the lesson here is just take a fucking shower, dude. Right? <laughs> that's that's this take a shower and and then the film can end more quickly you know our suffering cannot be drawn out as long yeah that that's that's, that's about hard. it
0: i do i do want to say um i looked it up yeah his reveal was it is i the one who stinks that <laughs> that was his big reveal we went from eyeballs to i am the one who stinks so that's awesome that's yeah and then uh, just before we, we, we head out, uh, head to the, the outro here, uh, Derek had one last comment that I, I just wanted to, uh, to jump on because he's wrong. He said, that still sounds better than Halloween Ends. And I liked Halloween Ends, Derek. You're wrong. know I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> I, I understand. I'm in the minority on that. I quite liked Halloween Ends. Well,
1: well it's not the, the first or last time. Uh, you know, we know what your bar is like because of, you know, Demonic. I
0: put a bunch of those uh, I put the I turned those into gifts and put them on Twitter so people could just take them and use them but I, I really I finally I, I, I took out the part with your face although I desperately wanted to leave it in
1: <laughs> well, I appreciate that I, I prefer not to be a meme if that yeah. ever you know kind of goes viral
0: what a saint I am
1: <laughs> what you think
0: all right joseph would you recommend dark glasses
1: not unless someone wants to watch it because they want to see a f- bad film and make fun of it
0: yes yeah there's some nudity if that's your thing that's all i got sure I, yeah I, I, look watch the opening sequence because that's very cool and very unusual mm-hmm. and then turn it off and continue pretending that Dario argento died in a fire in about <laughs> 1989 and never made anything after that. And and uh I think you're gonna go away happy. You're certainly gonna go away happier than we did. Uh, you know, because again I saw this twice. So we've got three viewings of this thing between us. And so we have we've, we've saved you uh what is it Peter says about Citizen Kane? Two long boobless hours, you know, like this. <laughs> this is I mean it's not quite that, but it's yeah, yeah. No, I I, it, I would not I would not recommend this either.
1: Yes. Uh, and on an interesting note, I do think that Sting you just played, this was the first film that it probably fit.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 It was, uh, that was only slightly less sleazy than yeah. some of the things I've seen in Dario Argento films. So th- there's a film where a character drag- or drowns a bag of cats. <sighs> yeah. Italy. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, any, any parting thoughts, Joseph, as we, as we wind down here?
1: No, I, I, just, I just hope that you know, there's a special place in hell for you for making me watch this and uh, Demonic, uh, but I'll probably be right there with you.
0: <laughs> oh, yes. I, I have no idea what next month is going to be. We, we, we try to, um, you know, it, it's hard to predict what we're going to do next because oftentimes, you know, f- f- like stuff gets dropped and I think, okay, no, that's probably something we should be talking about. So we have no idea what's coming up next, um, but uh, it, it, it would struggle to be worse than this, I think. All right, folks, we're going to head out. We'd like to keep this under an hour if we can. So thank you for joining us. Thanks, everyone, for hanging out. We had some, we had some gr- cool comments. Uh, Derek, Rin, uh, Wendita, Nick, you guys, really, we appreciate you chiming in. Joseph, where can everyone find you online?
1: Uh you can find me on Twitter at Joe 13 or also at ISO underscore ghost. Uh obviously you can find uh me at Weird Together on YouTube. Uh I do some other things sports related, az but I'm already uh, our audience here probably isn't airs of the sports audiences. Uh so uh follow us on Weird Together. Check that out, check out the other stuff we've done. Uh I think you'll enjoy it.
0: Yes. Yeah, we're gonna be we're gonna be we're hoping to be a little more active on on the YouTube there. Uh, I've had some technical issues that I think are resolved now, so we can, we can get back to it. Uh, of course you can find me on the ghost story guys podcast. It's uh, ghoststoryguys.com and everywhere fine podcasts live and my book, a strange little place of the paranormal secrets of rebel Stoke. British Columbia has just been re-released from beyond the fray publishing. So you can find that on Amazon. Again, that's a strange little place. Uh, it's the one coming and published in 2022. There is an older version on there. Uh, it's it's out of stock, it's out of print, but just so you know, that, that is the one to go for. And I guess that's going to do it. So until uh, next time, remember, we're weird.
1: And you're weird.
0: So why not be weird together? Thanks, guys. Let